Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. You can also uh, check us out at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema where you'll find a couple of Q&As as well as uh, reviews of all of the short film blocks at the recent Atlanta Film Festival. I try to stream uh, every Tuesday, and Monday, and Thursday on twitch.tv backslash scuttlelemur. Uh, check us out there. I've had a lot of good guests, and I'm looking forward to uh, some of the discussions ahead. This past Sunday uh, marked the end of the 2021 Atlanta Film Festival, although I will say uh, right off the bat that the virtual library is available through Sunday, May 9th, so Mother's Day. And if you have a chance to uh, check out some of the films that are going to be a number that are mentioned on this podcast that are available there, uh, you can go to the Atlanta Film Festival website, go to Film Guide for the 2021 Festival, and check out some of the uh, choices here. And there was a really terrific lineup. This honestly might be one of my, probably my favorite lineup of uh, films. I really loved the documentaries that were selected. I loved a lot of the features. Some of them were not as great, and there were some pretty terrific short films this year, too. So, that being said, uh, you can read about the, basically, the what went on for me every day, what I covered as far as the individual films, the short film blocks, how I ended up having to cover some of them, over at sonic-cinema.com, and uh, there's a lot to talk about in terms of uh, some of the logistical aspects of it. Some of them I had to watch for, uh, via screeners, which I did not necessarily expect to right away. I got into a car accident that put me uh, behind, but I ended up seeing... I did end up seeing everything that I was really interested in seeing at the Atlanta Film Festival this year. And I want to thank the Atlanta Film Society and the Plaza Theater for continuing to uh, put out a really terrific film festival year in and year out. I would encourage uh, anybody in the Atlanta area to to check out the Atlanta Film Society as well as the Plaza because the Plaza does a lot of great uh, programming and it's it's managed to survive the past year, which is wonderful. And it was great to be able to go back indoors at the Atlanta Film Festival at the uh, Plaza Theater. That was one of the things I was most looking forward to at the film festival here. And my in-person screenings began on the opening night on Friday with the uh, Marquis Atlantis premiere screening of the documentary Socks on Fire by Bo McGuire. He made a wonderful love letter to his grandmother who passed away, as well as an interesting look at his family, the different dynamics in it, and uh, what sort of happened since his grandmother passed away. And I had a chance to talk to Bo uh, before the premiere of Socks on Fire at the uh, film festival, and Here's that interview now. Is this the uh, first performance of the movie tonight? No, this is uh, this is the first one we've had in a the theater, especially the theater this nice. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but we have done, we launched this Salvation Show tour for the resurrection of Socks on Fire okay. out of San Francisco at San Francisco Film Festival a couple weeks ago. All right. And then just two nights ago, we were at a dairy farm in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> and now we're here on opening night, so it feels great. Uh, is how, how does it feel after the year that we've had to be in a movie theater again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it feels uh, fucking righteous and just <laughs> is how it feels. <laughs> and like I made the right decision to hold mm-hmm. and not, you know, we won Tribeca or whatever as the pandemic was breaking. Yeah. As it was rare in her ugly head. So, um, and I decided to dig my heels in and not not show virtually so it feels mm. righteous in that way yeah yeah i mean i know that was i know that's been a big dilemma with a lot of filmmakers as to whether to do the virtual festivals or to wait for hopefully in-person screenings so right. that we could have get so you can get that audience reaction that immediate audience reaction right and to bring together people in celebration and joy, which seems even more important now. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes, definitely after the past year. Uh, what was the inspiration behind the film? Oh, the inspiration just came from wanting a legacy of my nanny that existed outside of any sort of petty family drama. Mm-hmm. That existed in my imagination and was just for me yeah. and for people like me. And I wanted to show a queer South. I never see, you know, it's so rare to see that on, on the screen. So mm-hmm. I wanted to show something that was based you know, not there's a certain amount of grief there, but it's also we focus on the joy, but it's the kind of joy that knows grief, you know, yeah. that is wise. Uh, were there any particular uh, challenges that you uh, came across making the movie? Oh, you know, I mean, money's always the one we we run on a shoestring budget, but um, you know, I think it was always about finding out what the story really was. I was just following a sort of notion a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I finally got to the point where I realized this wasn't about like the death of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, this is really about me wanting to capture the imagination of where I come from and yeah. show another part of it. And you know, um, you know, just feel like a certain sort of um, peace with everything that had gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were there any uh, were there any films that uh, you drew upon uh, as inspiration for the movie? Um, Beyonce's Lemonade, for certain, was a big inspiration. Um, I would say the podcast S-Town, it's not a movie, but I would say that's, that planted a seed. Okay. You know, we always say our uh, great-granddaddy is uh, Sherman's March mm-hmm. by uh, What's-His-Face. I can't remember his name. Some <laughs> filmmaker. That, Ross McElwee. Um, you know. And, you know, it's also inspired by Nanny and the way that the women I was raised with sort of spoke and told stories, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was a movie unto itself for me in my yeah. mind, you know, as a small child. Yeah, I know uh, I know. growing up before they passed, at least there were, there were certainly uh, moments with uh, my grandparents that you would listen to them tell stories about their experiences. And it's, it's just one of those things that you never forget. You, right. And you always uh, hold on to. And yes. uh, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's always a special moment when you're growing up. Yeah, and just like uh, my sort of, 
my sense of story is all rooted in like the feminine southern voice because it's mm -hmm. all about like listening to my mother talk to her mother and to her sister and her friends you know and sort mm -hmm. of and Annie always told a story like she assumed you knew everyone and everywhere she was talking about you know mm -hmm. but like uh, and she told it in a million directions all at once <laughs> so it was like you know that's sort of like the uh, arc if there is one of Socks on Fire you know it shoots off mm -hmm. it is a firework yeah uh, was there any particular did you uh, when you decide to go away from virtual festivals and go to in person, were you always kind of hoping that the Atlanta Film Festival was going to be the first one? Or? Well, uh, we always knew we wanted to come back here because mm -hmm. Atlanta Film Festival has always been great to Socks on Fire, 100%. Mm -hmm. They programmed the short in 2018 and they programmed this last year, but we wanted to hold for this moment. Mm -hmm. And they just, uh, so it resonates to be here with this, yeah. this, this team in particular. I think that they put their money where their mouth is when it comes to Southern filmmakers and mm -hmm. Southern art makers. Um, so I knew I wanted to be here and I wanted to be at the plaza. And this is a dream that I manifested with the help of a lot of other people, but we wanted to be here, so. Uh, were, is there anything in particular that you'd like people to take away from the film? Yeah, that we should love each other and that the South is not the place most people think it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time. The opening night celebration was really wonderful and full of life. And it was right, it was actually the perfect way to start off the film festival because it was, it was full of energy and joy and just, it, it felt like the type of reintroduction to in-person screenings that I needed and maybe a lot of the rest of the people in the audience needed. Uh, we got drag queens performing. We got really entertaining Q and A's. We we got and we got a wonderful movie. And it won't be the last time you hear about Socks on Fire on this uh, podcast because I did really love it because of the fact that I uh, go into pretty uh, significant depth as far as the logistical experience of the film festival. What I started to do with. Fantasia Fest and what I will probably continue doing for film festivals, in addition to some interviews that I might share, like the one with Bo McGuire and like one that I have later on, um, I want to go through sort of, sort of like the movies that stood out to me in terms of the film festival. Some of my favorite shorts, some of my favorite documentaries, and just some of my favorites in general. And uh, that's that's kind of what I'm going to do in, and that's what I'm going to do in this uh, podcast here. And we're going to begin with um, honorable mentions from the state of Georgia. And because of the fact that this is a Georgia festival, because of the fact that this is a very homegrown festival, one of the things that's really nice is, as somebody who's from Georgia who knows how big the uh, movie industry is in Georgia beyond like Marvel movies and Fast and Furious movies and everything else uh, filming here. It's nice to get a good sense of the uh, flavor of the independent film scene in Georgia. And this year's Atlanta Film Festival certainly gave us a lot of uh, opportunity for that. Um, I'm going to list off uh, four films. Everything else will be three films. This is going to be four. 
uh, because one of them was kind of a late one, but I don't really want to get rid of any of the other movies I'm going to mention. Three of these are shorts, and one of them is a feature. For my honorable mention from Georgia, we start with the uh, short film Spirit Never Dies, Only Transitions, and it's a lovely little tone poem. Uh, It's filmed in black and white. It's basically black and white images over uh, narration discussing the ideas of life and death, and it's a wonderful little short, and I hope people get a chance to watch it at other film festivals. It's really it's really something that is interesting and compelling to watch, and I, I really got a lot out of it. Next up is uh, Eat Your Heart Out, which is sort of a dark comedy short. It was from the uh, Georgia short film block on opening night, and it's basically about a woman who goes on a blind date that she met on Craigslist, and the darkly comedic possibilities that exist after that. It was a really great capper to the uh, Thursday night's uh, short film collection there. It was well worth watching, and uh, that was Eat Your Heart Out. Uh, The next one is another short from that same uh, short film block, which is uh, called Rush Hour. It's called Tombsboro, and it's basically about two brothers who find a dead body and a bunch of money in a car in Tombsboro, Georgia, and what happens afterwards. And it's an interesting little morality play that looks into the idea of, you know, how do, if we're from small town life, is there a possibility of getting away from that small town life if if uh, you are offered the opportunity in terms of money? It's a really compelling short film. It's worth uh, checking out, and um, I I would uh, highly recommend it if you have time in the next few days to check out the Rush Hour short film block. It's got a lot of really interesting stories, including one more that uh, I will be mentioning uh, later on in this podcast. And the uh, fourth film in my honorable mention from Georgia is the documentary Carterland about the presidency of uh, Jimmy Carter. And a lot of people no doubt know him from his work with Habitat for Humanity. He's primarily been focused on since leaving office in 1991, but it really does it's, it really does make the case for his being a presidency of uh, consequence more than we're kind of led on to believe over the years. And if you get a chance to watch Carterland, it has world premiere at the film festival at the Carter Center. And I didn't get a chance to see it in person, but uh, I did get a chance to watch on the virtual platform, and it was really wonderful. That is uh, Carter Land. Next is going to be my honorable short film mentions, and these are three shorts of uh, several that I really love this year. Uh, this this year, there were, there were a couple of short film blocks that wasn't that high on, but the ones that was high on had a lot of really terrific stories in them. Uh, So my honorable mentions for the short films are Solution for Sadness, which looked at a uh, young woman who is sad constantly and for no reason, and 
for no discernible reason, and she finds one day that a uh, ape mask is left on her um, yard, and she puts it on, and suddenly she appears happy. And there's something a little bit nefarious going on with that. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's it's a really twisted and entertaining short film that uh, I highly recommend if you get a chance to watch it at other film festivals or online in general. Uh, number two on this one is The Universe According to Dan Buckley, which is, which is part of my favorite short film block, The Great Beyond, which is more of experimental short films. And this one, uh, you get the words of Dan Buckley, who is a uh, schizophrenic, and how he views the world. And you get a lot of images akin to what he's saying. It's really a fascinating short film. It's an interesting uh, structure for this type of existential thought, and it's really well worth checking out. That is The Universe According to Dan Buckley. My number one on the honorable mention shorts is part of my last uh, short film block that I saw at the film festival. It's called Witness. It is about an, it's about a mother who's going into a shopping mall for a few minutes to return a, <clears throat> a dress and exchange it for something else for her daughter. She is enlisted by an older woman to help her but when tragedy strikes, she has a choice to make. And it's really a powerful short. It says a lot about the shorts that are above this, that this is just in the honorable mentions, because any other year, this might have been my favorite short of the film festival. So that is Witness, and it's well worth uh, checking out. As far as honorable mentions for features, uh, number three for me is Knock Knock, which is an Asian thriller about a retired cop, a thief, and a delivery boy who are in a room where murders happened. And in order to really leave the room, they kind of need to figure out what happened. It's really an excellent, uh, nifty little thriller. It's uh, really entertaining. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's well worth checking out. And uh, that is Knock Knock. If you get a chance to watch it, it's... It's definitely, if you're a genre fan, it's right up your alley, I think. Number two is Firstness, which is one of the movies that I was most looking forward to at the uh, film festival. It's directed by Brielle Brilliant. I think that's how I pronounce her name. And it's about three people who are struggling through life, or at least two who are, and one is a bit more sure of themselves. Uh... Keith is a father who is part of an experimental therapy group. Tavi is a non-gendered teenager, who, and Keith is their father. And Julian is a long, young man who's having a hard time finding work after being in prison. And uh, the way these three connect, they're all endearing in their own ways as they're trying to uh, go through life. And it's really a lovely film. It's well worth checking out. I believe it is still available in the virtual program uh, if you get a chance to watch it. It's well worth uh, watching. My favorite as far as the honorable features, and this is for both documentaries and uh, narratives, is The Letter. 
And I talked about this movie. I saw this movie early on and is a documentary about Kenyan elders who are being accused of witchcraft in order to take their land. It is a pretty wild story. And the way that Christopher King and Maya Lekow uh, take us on this journey is just fascinating. And I had the chance to interview uh, Lekow as the festival opened, and you can listen to that on my review of the letter. It's completely worth watching. It's it's unlike anything you will... It's, it's just a powerful story, and there are a lot of them in the documentaries this year. I'm not done talking about documentaries for uh, the Atlanta Film Festival this year. So this year I decided to do my favorite music because there were... There were a few scores and soundtracks that really stood out to me. Uh, the one for one of the movies that I really love, uh, Nine Days, is um, it's it's one of those. Uh, it's a beautiful movie. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, Winston Duke is an interviewer of people who have the opportunity to begin to live, and it's an interesting fantasy premise it's it it's like somebody put the themes of uh inside out and soul into a live action film and i think it actually kind of succeeds better than that description implies i ended up having to watch it a second time because i was starting to fall asleep during the 10 o'clock screening on friday but i'm so glad i got a chance to see it it was really a wonderful film and there's more i'm going to talk about later in the podcast with that Next up is Knock Knock. I thought this score, which is very synth-heavy, uh, was completely my shit. It's the type of thing that I love in film music. And I could say that about the my favorite soundtrack as well, which is for Achilles' Escape, which is by 3D from Ma- Massive Attack, as well as Saul Williams. And uh, it's it's those that one and Knock Knock are just completely great soundtracks for me that I just really loved. And it's uh, well worth checking out both of those movies just to listen to the soundtracks. So favorite performances are next. And the three are all, three of these three movie performances are ones that I think by the end of the year, I think all three of these are going to be ones that I really look back on fondly and love. And the first one is Winston Duke in Nine Days. The next one is Saul Williams and Achilles' Escape. And Saul and Achilles' Escape is a fascinating character study. It's really a fascinating study of Achilles, the character that Saul Williams plays. And it's well worth checking out um, whenever it becomes available. It was it was a smart thriller, but it's an even smarter narrative about the main character. And it's well worth checking out. My favorite performance of the Atlanta Film Festival, though, was James Jimmy Carozo. And he is the star of Moon Manor. It follows the last day of Jimmy, who Carozo plays. And Jimmy has Alzheimer's, and he decides to go out on his own terms. And this movie, you know, if you know what's, if you know what I've been going through, in my personal life with uh, 
my mother, you know that uh, this this type of story was going to hit me hard, and I didn't expect how hard it hit me. Um, Carosa's performance is a revelation. It's it's just one of those performances that the second you see it, you know you're not going to forget it. And it was a uh, beautiful surprise, even though this was a movie that I was really looking forward to as well as Achilles' Escape uh, before the film festival. It was a surprise by how much this movie connected with me. And uh, Moon Manor is, is isn't going to be the last time you hear about on this podcast. It is a movie that I cherish out of the film festival. Next up are my favorite shorts of the festival. And one of them is, uh, my favorite short is technically uh, Raspberry, Julian Doan's Raspberry, which I saw at Sundance and loved. I watched it again in one of the short film blocks. I covered this festival and I loved it again. Uh, next up was Crab, which is a just brutally, brilliantly animated short film about a uh, boy who wants to be part of a theater group, but the only role he will get is a crab. And it's just such a dark strikingly animated piece of work and it just mesmerized me watching it. Uh, my favorite short uh, to date though is New Mexico Death Wish Diatribe which basically looks at is an experimental look at the nuclear testing and mankind's existence and what led us to the atom bomb and it's a fascinating uh, look at it's a fascinating blend of commentary and images and music and it's really brilliant and uh, is part of the great beyond short film block which was like I said my favorite short film block of the festival and uh, New Mexico Death Wish Diatribe really connected with me a lot uh, we're going to go ahead and do the favorite narrative films from the uh, festival first, because, uh, and I'll get into why, but uh, my, this year was, it was an okay year for narrative features, there were some really good ones, and these three really do connect, but uh, overall, it was a better year for documentaries, and that's kind of why I'm putting it uh, next to last year, so favorite narratives, the first one is Son of Monarchs, like Alexis Gambus's film, which I saw very early on before the festival, and I had a chance to talk to Gambus, and it was really compelling to hear him talk about this personal story of a biologist who returns to his Mexican village for his grandmother's funeral, which opens up some wounds for him that allow him to explore science, faith, and the emotional way of returning home. And it's a fascinating film. It played at Sundance. I missed it there. Uh, I'm glad I got a chance to see it at the Atlanta Film Festival. Number two is A Kill is Escape, which I've already talked about because of Saul Williams' performance in the music. It's just really an interesting thriller. I really enjoyed it. I, I loved watching Saul Williams in this. This was a terrific performance. And it's... Again, it's one I really would love for people to check out. Number one is Nine Days. 
liked. And uh, I'm real, like I said, I'm really glad I got a chance to see this on Sunday before I was going to have to wait for uh, theaters for it. It was, it was really, uh, it, it's really a profound movie. And you, you've got really great performances, not just by Winston Duke, but um, Benedict Wong is terrific and really fascinating morality questions about how you're supposed to live and what living means and pain of living, what the pain of living means. And it's just a beautiful film. If you have a chance to check it out when it comes out in theaters, I highly recommend it. A wonderful movie. And it was my one of my favorite narrative films of the 2021 Atlanta Film Festival. So that brings us to my favorite documentary. The documentaries this year were probably the strongest collection of docs I've seen at a film festival yet. And it says a lot about the one that's ahead of this. Um, these three, that these three are not ahead of it. So all of these are really fascinating looks at the struggles of life as sort of an outsider, really, and uh, what that means and what it could mean, and persevering in spite of it. And all of these really capture that in a really profound way. And we're going to start with Only the Ocean Between Us, which... Uh, played on this Saturday before the film festival closed. It's currently, I believe, available with the virtual catalog. And it's about four women, two uh, Peruvian women who are who've been displaced from their ancestral land, and two Syrian women who are in a Jordanian uh, refugee camp. And they connect with a shared... Uh, experience of not just being displaced from their homelands, but also a love of filmmaking. And so they send messages, they send, and and they send um, video chats and video diaries to each other. And that's what makes up this movie. And it, it's really a it's really a heroic effort. And it's really a lovely effort. And if you get a chance to watch. Only the Ocean Between Us. I cannot recommend it more. Uh, number two is A Fire Within by Christopher Chambers. This is an extraordinary story of three Ethiopian women who are essentially faced with a living nightmare in terms of being faced with a person who tortured and abused them in Ethiopia during the... Uh, Red Terror of the 1970s. And it's told in flashbacks, it's told in uh, historical archives, and it's told in reenactments, and it's told in testimonials that just really are powerful. And this was, this was an early one. I got a chance to talk to Christopher Chambers. That interview is an absolute must-listen, I think. And it's just a beautiful film. It's a powerful film. And uh, it really speaks to the amazing courage these women had. My favorite doc in this list is Socks on Fire by Bo McGuire. I already talked about it. Uh, it's 
I, I cannot recommend this documentary enough. And this this documentary really started my uh, my my feeling that this was going to be a special film festival, not just with the performance on opening night, but just the fact that this this film festival was so much about empathy for individuals and different cultures and different types of people. And Bo McGuire's film personifies that so beautifully. And it's it's a movie that really connected with me. And I I can't wait to for people to see it because I think it's really gonna connect with a lot of people. So Socks on Fire is my favorite documentary. Well, theoretically speaking, because now we are up to the best in show. And these are the three movies that were my absolute favorites. The best ones that I saw at the film festival, the ones that I will be banging the drum on as the year continues. And uh, one of them you're already familiar with. Uh, I, there's one short, one narrative, and one documentary. Uh, the narrative, if you haven't guessed by now, is Moon Manor. The short film is Angie, which was from the opening night uh, short film block, Rush Hour, and it's about a teenage girl who goes on her first date, a double date, with uh, her best friend, and it it is it it's a film that I I don't want to give away too much after that, but to say it's one of the most powerful and uncomfortable viewings of a short film I've seen is to put it mildly. And uh, but it was a big hit with the uh, audience that opening night. The best film I saw at the 2021 Film Festival was Jared Callahan's uh, Clean Slate. And I had a chance to talk to uh, Callahan about the film and it is a, it is a absolutely beautiful one. It is about the struggle to make a movie. And that is enough to recommend it because it it is comparable in that way to movies like Hearts of Dark Heart of Darkness, to Lost in La Mancha. But there's a twist with this one in that the people making the movie are recovering addicts. And uh he met these uh he met the two main people in the film at the Atlanta Film Festival a few years ago and uh, was hooked in on their story and decided to tell their story of them trying to make a short film. And when I say that the, the struggle to do this that they're going through is heroic, I am not speaking hyperbole. Uh, it's so much, it's the most anxiety-inducing movie about making a movie I've ever seen. And that's even before you get into uh, making the movie itself. It's, it's an extraordinary story. Uh, you can hear more about it with my interview with Jared, which is on my review on sonic-cinema.com. And uh, it's, it's, just an, it's just an absolutely wonderful film. I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, as as much same with same goes with every uh, film that I've talked about on this podcast. So I'm going to close with an interview that I did on the next to the last day of the festival, 
with uh, Cameron McAllister. He's a member of the Atlanta Film Society. He's one of the directors of the Atlanta Film Festival. He, he is also a fellow member of the Georgia Film Critics Association. Uh, we talked about film festivals in the time of COVID. We talked about programming film festivals and what makes it successful film festival and I hope you enjoy that discussion with Cameron. Putting aside like financial concerns and all that, what would you say makes a successful film festival? Um, I think uh, connecting with your core audience and a new audience are probably how I best um, gauge the success of a film festival you know we want we have a we have well, I mean, first of all we're a member-based organization so we've got right. members we've got um, of course a, a dedicated board and staff and we've got um, you know alumni that have played the festival and have an investment in in the success of the festival so I mean we've, we've got all these different circles that we want to always engage with and we mm -hmm. want to provide like a good experience for them a good uh, platform for them if they're filmmakers um, you know we're for filmmakers and film lovers but we also are always wanting to reach out into the community to get people that um, have never heard of the Atlanta Film Festival or have never heard of a film festival or have never mm -hmm. been to some type of, you know, film event other than maybe going to the, the multiplex, you know. So I used to be one of those people. Um, I'd love to go into movies, but I hadn't heard of the Atlanta Film Festival. And I was in college and I was reading the, um, I guess it was the AJC or something, and there was uh, La Vie and Rose, the Marianne Cotillard movie that she won her Best Actress mm -hmm. Oscar for. Um, I saw that it was playing the upcoming Atlanta Film Festival, and I was like, oh, like I didn't think I was going to get to see that for months, you know? <laughs> and um, I came down here and saw it, and I was a broke college student living up in um, Ackworth. And mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, driving into town to see, you know, a movie at a film festival was just like, you know, like little kid gone to the big city type of feeling. Yeah. And so, because, I'm, and then the next year, of course, I came back and saw more films, and the next year saw more films, and then eventually I was covering his press, and been working here so um, you know I, I, I see how I got to know the film festival and um, I always want to reach more of those people and so mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of why we program some of the, the marquee films you know that maybe you're gonna be in theaters you know next weekend or or later this summer and you know you've already kind of seen in the kind of general industry um, you know marketing machine um, because we want to reach those those people out there that right don't have don't have a, a, a mindset of what indie film is or mm -hmm. anything like that so um, I think I think that's the thing you know kind of um, being consistent and providing something for your core audience but then building onto your audience so I think that's you know you can still gauge even in the COVID world where festivals so reduced and, mm -hmm. um, you know footprint has changed so much I think we can still count on those two metrics how, how do you how do you sort of gauge that success with what the festival's been in the past couple of years, primarily with virtual and drive-in screenings. Yeah, yeah, that's that's difficult because um, you know the Atlanta Film Festival is is forty five years old, but um, it's only really been growing for about um, ten years or less. You know, like mm -hmm. it it um, it's kind of gone up and down throughout its history. You know, starting in the seventies and. Um, I would say maybe early 2000s had like a peak and then it kind of dipped and there were lots of changes in the leadership and everything, but um, we feel like a younger festival that had a lot of momentum and mm -hmm. of course the whole world loses momentum, it wasn't just <laughs> us. So it's, it's, it's easy for us to default to like a numbers game, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, 
if we had 30,000 attendees in 2019, what let's you know taking taking last last um, fall for example the festival that we had to move from the spring to the fall, um, you know okay well let's let's come up with we know how many cars because it was all drive-in and all virtual right so you know okay we had X amount of cars let's average two people per car two point five people per car whatever because some cars have five some cars have one whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you get a number, and then you can look at views and say, okay, well, say most of these people were single views um, watching online at home, but some of them were had four people sitting around the TV watching, you know? So it's like, that's that's what you want to default to, is kind yeah. of finding a number that matches that number that you had of just counting butts and seats, you mm -hmm. know? And uh, I don't think you can really do that. Um, and we're seeing the kind of landscape of film festivals changing anyway. Where virtual is always going to be a part of film festivals. Yeah. You know, two years ago, we would have never thought... Oh, I know. Let's let's give people an option to not come put their butt in our seat that we can count them. And now, I don't think it'll ever go away. I think the world's just changed like that. So, you know, you can still count numbers. And I, I just, you know, I think um, uh, when I'm seeing new faces come back, when I'm um, seeing old faces come to see a lot of stuff, um, that's, that's a good indicator of the success. When I'm hearing stuff, I had um, a friend that uh, used to work for the Israel um, like Ministry of Culture in the U.S., and now he, he runs for a, or he, he runs a, um, a small uh, indie film distributor. But I met him in Utah at Sundance one year, and he lives in New York, and he texted me and was just like, wow, I'm hearing so much about the festival. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Like, you're getting a lot of exposure. And a lot of it has to do with good timing of Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter. Right. Uh, <laughs> being in town, you know, <laughs> the same time that we're premiering a film at the Carter Center. Um, but uh, that that was a good feeling to hear from someone that yeah. wouldn't normally have Atlanta Film Festival popping up all over the place, and he is. So, um, I don't know, stuff like that's making me think that this year's been a success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of my next questions was going to be whether going forward as we start to get out of COVID times and more into a sense of normalcy, whether the virtual uh, platform was going to remain as part of the film festival. And I think mm -hmm. you're right. I, I think yeah. it's, it is going to be hard for film festivals to right. justify getting rid of it. Right. And plus, I mean, it really does offer more exposure to the festival by having people who don't even live around here right. have access to it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, um, we... We use Eventive as our ticketing and our virtual platform, and they're really, they've really kind of led this whole shift in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's major uh, distributors like A24. I know they use Eventive for some of their stuff. Um, lots of big film festivals are using Eventive. So it's, it's really nice that we've been working with them for years, and we were one of their, their first big clients. So I feel like um, we've had a special ease of that, this kind of learning curve, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I just think it's always gonna be a part. Like, I, I'm not sure if, if, when we get back to into patterns of people getting comfortable coming back to the theater and in the habit of coming, it's not just like, there's plenty of people that feel comfortable but still haven't been back to the theater because they're so out of the habit, you know? Yeah. And it's gonna take quite a few, you know, Godzilla versus Kongs to mm -hmm. get them, you know, maybe that got some people back, but again, you know, you don't just like bounce back, you know? If you haven't mm -hmm. ridden a bicycle for years, you don't just get on and you're, you know, evil can evil. Um, you gotta rebuild that muscle memory, and so I, maybe it will look like you know some titles are virtual only, or and then some are you know just striped. So you're not kind of uh, yeah. There's not attrition from what you're expecting in person, but 
you know, when you have different um, goals for each one, so maybe you want X amount of views online and then X amount of butts and seats, you know, you can you can plan differently and yeah. um, measure measure success differently. So, um, yeah, I, I do think virtual will always be a part of it, at least until the next great shift comes. Who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. to cause that? But um, yeah, I think I think it'll be here next year and beyond that. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. to say, but I, I just think it's part of the DNA of film festivals now. Yeah. And cinemas. Yeah. And I, I will say, one of the things I've liked about this year's festival is the the mixture of virtual with the indoor with the drive-in. Right. I really, that's one of the things I really liked about the Atlanta Film Festival last year was the fact that it was a drive-in experience mm-hmm. in addition to a virtual experience. Right. And because I covered Fantasia Fest the next, the previous month, and that was all virtual. And I did Sundance earlier this year, and that was, for me, all virtual. I couldn't make it to any of the screens here, but I like, it's, it's so much of a different experience right. having to schedule that and being able to schedule that right. experience of watching a movie. Yeah, so I went to um, Sidewalk uh, in Birmingham, which is my, my favorite film festival. I highly recommend it. Um, and I'm even including ones that have, I've worked for for years in that. Uh, yeah. Sidewalk's my favorite. Uh, but um, it was all drive-in. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I've done, like, um, I've, I've been a part of kind of all different types of the hybrid, you know, the, the adaptation, COVID adaptation. So I've been part of the drive-in-only festival. And, and that was weird because Sidewalk is usually in downtown Birmingham, and they've got, like, seven or eight screens that are mm-hmm. all more films than we do but in two and a half days rather than yeah 11 days and they have did they do they have added stuff throughout the week um leading up to that the shout and some other special screenings but really the bulk of it is like opening night on friday and then saturday and sunday are like films all day mm-hmm. so this year you know it was, was very different it was out kind of outside the city in a, a four uh, screen drive-in but of course drive-in precludes you from doing stuff during the day so they did have some online panels and stuff but um but as far as films go everything was at the drive-in for yeah you know several nights and um, so I went to that, and it's, you know, they had a, a great outdoor seating area and concessions and everything, so they maintained a little bit of festivity. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's, there's, there's something, uh, when you only have one format, you've really got to make the most of it. You mm-hmm. know? And virtual, it's really hard to make the most of anything yeah. with exclusive <laughs> virtual, because everyone's kind of tired of yeah. being home and, and doing that. And, and also, when you're home... I don't know about you, but I'm re- I'm rarely watching a movie where I'm like putting my phone aside and right. I'm 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 <laughs> playing a game or I'm texting or I'm on Reddit or like yeah. whatever. And um, you know who's who's going to police me? Like, do I really need to pay attention to this or is it mm-hmm. just on in the background? So virtual, it's like you can't dress it up too much. You can try and do you know networking events or you can try. Mm-hmm. You know, Sundance had their big lounge area, which I don't know if you went in that, but it was it was a miss for me. Like, yeah, I I. I yeah, I couldn't really get into that. I mean, I know, you know, that is one, I will say that's one of the things I liked about Fantasia because mm-hmm. they had the Discord channel that they oh, started. Nice. And that was great to be able to communicate with right. different people and stuff like that. Sundance, I know they had the lounge. They also had, like, the waiting room. Mm-hmm. But it's like the, the chat goes by so quickly, right. it's so hard to yeah. keep up. For sure. Um, yeah, I remember I would get in there and you know everyone's saying where they're from and yeah, it was cool, but it's not the same as like a conversation. No, you know? it's you're you're watching a feed. Yeah, it's a news sticker, and um, but yeah, so like I, I applaud the efforts of everyone that's tried to make 
a more fun festive space at mm -hmm. a virtual um, but it, it's tough and so like I'm glad that we have options for people to yeah. mix it up because that's part of the fun of festivals going to different venues um, you know for me I love going into adapted spaces like mm -hmm. um, when we made you know Highland Church uh, into Highland Theater which it was a theater before that but you know mm -hmm. it's been a church but, I mean we you know we have to put carpet down we have to provide a drape because the acoustics are so weird but I like that it sounds different than it sounds in the plaza yeah. I like um, I liked when we had our HQ over there and kind of a loungy space and, mm -hmm. um, when we have hangouts but like it's it's uh, variety is kind of the, the spice of a film festival and so at least this is a semblance of that um, and I'm not I'm a personally I'm a Maybe I don't have a great car for it, but it's, uh, you know, I just I'm ready to be back in the theater watching yeah. movies in the dark, you know. Yeah. I'm the type of guy that would go on Friday morning at 10 a.m. while everyone's at work or school, and so I'm basically alone in the theater anyway, and um, yeah, I just, I miss that, and I did, I did go see Godzilla vs. Kong at a multiplex, mm -hmm. you know, on a Friday yeah. afternoon, and uh, I, had, I had a great old time, so, you know, I think we'll get back to the magic of movies and specifically festivals soon, even if they yeah. always look a little different. When when you guys are programming for the Atlanta Film Festival, is there a particular is there a particular ethos, I guess you could say, for the films that you're looking at? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I have noticed, and this is my third year covering the festival, mm -hmm. that it feels like there are a lot of films, and maybe it's partially because of how many documentaries are mm -hmm. usually programmed, that really deal a lot with empathy and being able mm -hmm. to empathize with other people yeah. and is is that something that you guys talk about while you're working on the programming um that's a really good question i mostly just program one type of film so i i would probably have to get more insight from my programming team which is led by Alyssa armand and she's been doing it for years and personally i, I she's a very empathetic person you know mm -hmm. and i know i know uh, is, you know, it, the staff in general is, is um, uh, you know, it's a lot of right-brained, creative people, and they care a lot about other people. And so I think it reflects, you know, kind of a cohesive viewpoint of those on staff. Um, there's nowhere in our, you know, bylaws that there's any type of theme or anything that, that we're supposed to program. Um, and there's no official guidance of like, okay, well, you know, it's not the program until it's this. But we are super mindful of um, uh, who Atlanta is as a city. Um, so being one of those film festivals that's like kind of a, an, old, an old festival, a big deal, a name that you know, people know. Um, we're always making that movie maker list, and which we're honored to make it again this year. But not one of the the flashy festivals like Tribeca or Sundance, the ones that have, you know, more of the celebrity benefactor and associations yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Um, because we, we don't have that type of identity, we have more of an identity of like we're representative of Atlanta. And, you know, Atlanta is a very diverse city, like ethnically. Um, uh, and so, we, you know, that's why, you know, half or over half of our film is, is directed by women or um, gender non-conforming filmmakers. It's because that's what Ideally, the world and that's what the city looks like. Mm -hmm. And then ethnically, I mean, half of our films are directed by filmmakers of color because half of Atlanta is, you know, people yeah. of color. So it's like, um, and, and I think beyond just like the demographic statistic answer there with like women and filmmakers of color, um, I do think Atlanta is a very kind of 
um, socially conscious city. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ever since the civil rights movement, you know, we've kind of, I feel like, been showing the world a way that we can all, you know, uh, live together. And so I think that comes through in our filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And I do think that um, this year, especially, I noticed this as well, there's a lot of really strong documentaries. Um, yeah. <laughs> and even some of the narratives and some of the documentaries are kind of hybrids. So like Socks mm -hmm. on Fire is, you know, it's not strictly a documentary, even though it's like very real, it's very nonfiction, but it's very poetic and it's very artistic. And, um, you know, that's just a, a, not just a trend, but I think it's just how documentaries are being told now and yeah. will be told is there's more narrative you know, techniques involved in that. Um, so this year, I think uh, we just, we got lucky maybe, maybe when people were finishing up their films in COVID, which is when our submissions period was open, was from um, last May through November. So people were at home. Maybe that started to reflect on how they were finishing the movies that they shot the year before, you know? And mm -hmm. so maybe, maybe the bulk of our submissions was more leaning that way. But I think that really is a good observation, that kind of theme. And, you know, sometimes sometimes we have themes that we don't program on purpose, but they're very clear by the time the, the program is finalized. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, I want to say 2018, Americana was, like, rampant through our program with mm -hmm. the narratives and documentaries. And we even put a page in our program guide to draw attention to that because it was, like, so obvious. Mm -hmm. um, some, years it's, um, some years it's all about, like, family dynamics, you know? Yeah. Um, which, that's just a common theme in filmmaking, but some years it's, like... All right, everyone had a tough year because this is like, you know, mm -hmm. very obvious. Um, so, uh, and I noticed that in my document or my in my marquee programming this year, films like um, uh, Limbo, um, even Dream Horse, like a lot of a lot of the ones that maybe I you know I program because they made the most sense from a studio standpoint. But there's mm -hmm. still you can see themes of like humanity and yeah and empathy through there. So yeah, I think maybe that's just what the world needs right now. Mm -hmm. Well, Cameron, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was good to talk to you about the Atlanta Film Festival. I I do think you guys did a really great job this year. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, love having you here. Mm -hmm. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me at uh, www.sonic-cinema.com on Google, Apple, or Spotify podcasts, or the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, next up, I will hopefully be having a uh, discussion on Orson Welles with you, and I've got some interesting ideas for the summer. I hope I get a chance to get to them. They're going to be a lot of fun. And uh, that's it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Check us out at www.sonic-cinema.com. Check out the Twitch channel at twitch.tv backslash scuttle lemur. And uh, just check out the podcast for future interviews and discussions. Thank you very much, and I hope you have a good day. Mm -hmm.